Good morning, Deb. Deb, how are you? Hello, Diane. Hi, Diane. Hi, Deb. Hi. Good morning. Or good wherever you are. Good afternoon for lots of you. <laughs> now, you're a West Coaster, so it's good morning for you. Good morning, Ren. Yeah. How are, how, are things in, how are things up there in Vancouver? Well, starting to warm up a little bit more, but where the snow is expected again for the weekend. So uh, it's all good. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise here. We've got uh, in the mountains, I think there's snow predicted even in Oregon here. So uh, wow. that kind of winter for us. Yeah, we got another blast coming, so that'll be interesting. <laughs> well, hang in there. Hi, Sheila. Good morning. Hi, Sheila. Hi, y'all. How are you? We're good. Oh, there's Anne-Marie. It's so beautiful here today. I hope y'all are having as good weather as we are. <laughs> Well, it depends upon how you define good weather. Sheila. <laughs> oh, no, y'all are laughing. <laughs> We're yeah. almost 80 today, I think. Wow. That's amazing. I'll send you my sunshine. Oh, I would love that, Sheila, because we are expecting another blast of snow here. <laughs> oh, no. That's why I'm laughing. Where are you, Diane? I'm in Vancouver, Canada. Yeah. Yes. I will send it to you. <laughs> you know, it's Mardi Gras for us. So we, this is our signal for spring usually, although we'll have a little bit of a cold snap, just a little bit around Easter. Yeah. But when we're 120 in the shade this summer, I'll be wishing I had your coldness. <laughs> yeah, that's when we get the breeze off the ocean. So, you know, it, it's just the way it works out, right? Mm, yes, yes, yes. Good morning, Carla. <coughs> yeah, I was... I was just thinking, my sister, my sister, when you guys spoke, and she says, oh, yeah, it's going to get cold here, a cold snap. I'm like, uh, how, what, how cold just, oh, in the 40s. <laughs> yeah, I that's think we're really the cold, cold part of the nation right now. Everybody else is warm. <laughs> States. Someone's making a lot of noise. I don't know. 
smells like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I was getting breakfast before when you said hi. <laughs> hi there, Deb. Good morning. Good morning. Everybody. Hi, Liz and Elena. Hi. Start the recording. We're opening our mind and our heart to the power of love living through us and as us. We are truly grateful to consciously attune to the Holy Spirit, to hear that divine voice and let it lead us and guide us through our time together. We are joining together for the purpose of remembering our true nature and our true identity is completely intact. Our innocence is still here. Our purity is still here. We're consciously joining together to relinquish all attachments to judgments, opinions, thoughts, and ideas that don't serve our expressions of perfection and beauty. We're willing to create an experience for ourselves that is absolutely pure love, pure perfection. This is why we join together. In gratitude, we share the benefits with all. In gratitude, we let it be. We know it's done. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yeah. So uh, I also will just say that uh, regarding that prayer, uh, just to take note, those of you who are praying into your prayer partnerships, you're praying into uh, facilitating something, that that opening prayer, you've heard me say this before, most likely, uh, at least once, but you're, you're, you're praying to bless the time together, the fruitfulness of the experience of joining together. So because we're joining together in the now moment to express and understand and reveal our perfection in more magnificent ways, more clear ways, uh, we, of course, we're blessing all beings and we're blessing our whole life. And we don't need to bless our families and all of that. It's, it's really we're blessing our, our coming together and dedicating it to our healing. So uh, the opening prayer that I usually do is, is simple, concise, it's brief, and it's really pointed towards the objective of why we're gathering together rather than the whole of our lives. Because when we're clear that this is the moment that we're giving ourselves to let go of everything that's false, it, it naturally impacts our whole lives. Does that make sense? So just before we go on, I'd love to see if there's any conversation about that. Any questions about that? So you can unmute yourselves. If you have any thoughts or questions about that. Particularly important for those who will be facilitating sacred circles. Well, I just want to say, oh, that, that, when this is brought up by yes, the affirmative prayer, kind of similar uh, last year, and I was I was a little resistant because I thought it was a good prayer, right? And um, and so at the time, 
I what I did is I took your prayers from all the finding freedom and I just practiced using them for like two months. And now I don't do that anymore. And I feel like I really shifted in my prayer. And I'm really grateful for the that even though I got <laughs> disturbed, that was a healing moment for I feel like, you know, I would I would offer that suggestion to people that um because I used to do like a lot of as we heal or when we le- you know as we're learning or when we get someplace that's not in the moment right it's in the future or whatever and I just want I just want to share that I feel like saying those prayers just saying your prayers and until it retrained my mind was so healing so I just wanted to offer that if anybody, that's a good idea. I thought it was a good idea for me at least. So, yeah, that's a great idea. So, uh, what you're saying is so important, and we will be uh, going in depth uh, in about prayer in year one and year two some more. And uh, I encourage you to strongly to participate in that. I never get tired of talking about prayer and and learning about effective prayer. Um, which is effective affirmative prayer. That's the the only kind that I I know of. I, I've never studied or looked at any other kinds of prayers. And uh, though I know that um, many, it's more popular to do a begging and beseeching prayer, asking um, rather than affirming that I already have, asking for something to be given to me. But of course, miracles taught me that uh, it's already been given. So, you know, ask, great. Ask to help activate that muscle of acceptance and, and using what you've already been given. But the, the reminder is you've already been given everything. There's nothing more that we can be given. So if we're asking for something to be given to us, we're thinking that we don't already have it. So you, the asking then becomes an affirmation of not having it it's subtly it's subtle you know it's subtle so um it's that's the the declaration of uh, the prayers that we do now um i'm curious uh, i i remember you had your hand raised sheila i just like to ask carla um i'm curious do you listen to your prayers now and uh do you go back and listen to them and let them teach you anything that's a great reminder. <laughs> Thank you. Because that has been coming into my mind. And uh, I've been deciding that my life is so much more fuller and I haven't been choosing that. So thank you for reminding me. I uh, think that will be very helpful. I've really started a book. I just haven't been been doing the trans printing out transcripts and I'd like to have a book and so I go through that so thank you for the reminder (laughs) yeah you know when I started out I used to listen to um, everything that I was doing so I could learn and be my own best teacher and uh, and that was very very helpful to me so I used to always record every talk and everything that I did uh, for that for that purpose of re-listening to it and also there are always times when there are ahas and insights that flow through me while I'm teaching every time and um, 
So I learned that uh, particularly 10, 15 years ago, I could really benefit from hearing it again and hearing what spirit was saying to me as I was the seeker. So that was a great learning for me. Sheila, what did, would you, what were you going to share? First, let me apologize. I got up this morning with an extremely sore, raw throat, but uh, Carla pretty much covered it for me. I was just going to say thank you for the reminders on the different ways to prayer, because what I remember is the God's prayer that we had learned early on. So I'm, I'm always excited to have more training on the different prayer and different ways and affirmative. So thank you for doing that. Carla pretty much covered it, though. Yeah, that God's prayer is affirmative prayer. That's what it is. It's, it's affirming that we already have, we're accessing it now. It's all about the now moment, not the future. We have it now. We're employing it now. We're accepting it now. We're sharing it now. Now is the time because there is no other time. And it's, it's valuable to remember that when we are praying with others, we're teaching them always, 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 always. Right? Just like everybody's teaching us. So to uh, take that as a sacred opportunity. Any other shares? Diane. Um, I was just going to say that I notice if I pray in the more affirmative way, how I feel afterwards is very, very different. I, you know, I do feel a lot stronger and, and, and calmer and everything like that. And, you know, sometimes I do drift into that beseeching or asking, not, not quite begging anymore, but, you know, asking for what I feel I don't have. Um, and then afterwards, you know, I, I definitely don't feel as, as uh, strong. Or, I think it, that affirmative prayer really works on me and and I noticed the difference in how I feel. Yeah, me too. And I'll I'll add to that, Diane, that <clears throat> there are times and uh I I talk about this in year one more than any other place, but there are times when I definitely go into this uh feeling of I need some extra assistance. I need some real help and guidance here. So it's, I'll say, guide me, help me to clearly see, to clearly know. And I, I am speaking to the company of heaven, to the angels that I call forth to assist me. Uh, and I ask for their assistance. So, and to me, that's the same as my saying to you, Diane, um, will you help me? If I'm asking Archangel Michael, it's the same thing to me. I'm just asking another being in the field of God to lend me their assistance. So that's, uh, and, and hey, there are times, um, fortunately, not lately for me, but there have been times when I felt like, please help me, please, 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 please help me. And, um, you know, that's just expressing how I feel. <clears throat> but that to me is, is really different than a prayer. And as you know, I strongly encourage you to call upon the angelic realms and the company of heaven for assistance because it's really like they're all just there waiting for us to ask. 
It's like asking, asking is actually kind of expressing a desire. You're desiring to be something else or what, whatever. You're desiring for something and you're not really feeling or something. So you want support around that. Right. Exactly. And it's, uh, for me, it's uh, usually something to do with help me see clearly, feel clearly, know clearly, help me to express only love, help me to relinquish attachments. And like I say, it's really the same as I would ask any prayer partner to help me, any, any person. So just as I would ask uh, my nephew to help me clear the table, that's in his skill set, you know, I would ask someone, uh, a being from the angelic realm to help me clear my mind. Sheila. Hang on a second. Let me unmute you. Oh, you are unmuted. We're not hearing you, though. Not hearing you, Sheila. Yeah, you're unmuted, but we're still not hearing you. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Anyone else like to share on this topic? I'll say a couple things. I, uh, in the past couple days, have learned about a couple deaths that were uh, I don't know what the word is. They weren't surprising, but they were it's still a surprise, you know. And I was talking with family to let them know about different things, and I just because I have an ability to be sensitive to people, I just felt after I hung up with all the conversations, I felt so sad, just like spiraling down with grief. And I know it's because I sense their energy, you know. And uh, so I was saying Violet Flame Mantra, and then Ron and I had a prayer partner time after I found out about the first one and he suggested using that uh, violet flame where you transmute cause core effect and that little. So I shifted to using that and it just made such a huge difference. I just felt the shift and I asked for, I didn't ask anybody specifically because I'm still not quite sure who to ask for what, <laughs> but I asked for the company of heaven to surround me you know, sort of in the sense of I got the message, I've got the information, I can pray for people and for their comfort, but I don't want to take it all in, you know, to feel it so intensely. And, and that really helped shift it along with kind of just doing breath work with it to allow that healing energy to come through me to wherever it needed to go. But I thank you, Ron, and just this group. This discussion is great. <clears throat> yeah, that's a beautiful example of asking for help and receiving it. <clears throat> Sheila. Still not hearing you. Yeah, you know what you might do, sweetie, is um, just reboot your computer real fast. Yep. Sometimes it's just something freaky to you. 
Just one one comment for for Deb, if I could. Um, my wife works a lot with um, semi-precious stones that have different protective healing powers or have different attributes, and some of them really are uh, good at protecting empaths from taking on the energy around them. Uh, so I'll find out from her what what it is that she recommends, and what you may want to do is is try having that with you when you're in situations like that where you want to hold the high ground, but all of a sudden you're the empathic part of you is kind of taking over. Because she 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 she's suffers not suffers she um, is similar in that regard. Elena. Yeah, just to confirm what Ron said, I, I'm not really familiar with this, but I'm not, I'm not professional <laughs> with stones, but I'm using them. I just asked a friend, and uh, you remember I went through the, um, at my work, I had stressful time, and uh, before it switched to normal and harmonious, I was just, uh, I really, I felt the difference. The very day I started uh, carrying them at work, and I still go, I still prefer to have them at work, at least just in case. But I felt immediate uh, protection somehow, like as if it, this stress and this disharmony had nothing to do with me. I was like in this protection field. So mm -hmm. I don't remember the names, but probably Ron will be more, Ron's uh, wife will be more helpful about it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I love... Um stones, crystals, so much. Uh, the thing is that um, many of them will absorb ne negative energy and keep it going because uh, m not all, but many uh, stones, crystals, uh, what they do is they magnify and multiply what you're thinking about. And they do it just like the infinite mind of God, uh, the impersonally. So uh, I remember a time once when a dear friend of mine who's a spiritual teacher and loves to wear lots of big stone jewelry was wearing this uh, really big crystal necklace. And we were talking, just the two of us, and she was energizing a, a lot of negative thinking around her sweetheart. And um, really, and I, I just interrupted her and I said, listen, I'd like to hear everything you'd like to share. And um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just, you're wearing that big stone necklace right between your heart chakra and your throat chakra. And I'm just, uh, is it your intention to magnify and multiply this negativity or to release it and dissolve it? Because right now it feels like you're, you're really magnifying it. And I would say, you know, why don't you take that necklace off, bundle it up, put it away, and then let's talk so that you're not uh, magnifying it, multiplying it out into the universe. I could say that because uh, it was such a close friend, you know, but um, I see a lot of people wearing uh, jewelry like that that they don't understand that it can actually not benefit them if they're not mindful of their thoughts and words. Most people don't talk about that, so. And it, it is, don't, I mean, you can clear it of that. You can use it to absorb it, I think, and then do clearing with it. Uh, 
I've never heard of anyone doing it that way. That doesn't mean that it's not a possible thing. One thing um, we could do, if you're interested, we could ask for Venerable to give us specific teachings on crystals because she is, she's such a, she's so in tune with the elemental world. And um, uh, I was saying about this in uh, the year one class this week that uh, there are times when she gives crystal teachings that literally stones will materialize in the air in front of her. Hold on a minute. Somebody is sending me a message. Sheila says, when asking for help, what are your thoughts? Is it necessary to know who to ask for help or does it really matter? And uh, Liz says, I would love a class with Venerable. So I will ask her for that. Um, she also has a DVD on crystal teachings. It's quite good. Um, I could ask her for a license of that DVD too, and uh, we could add it to our Masterful Living videos. I'll talk with her about that. Um, yeah, she's taught me a great respect for stones. Going back to Sheila's question, uh, it, does it matter who you ask? You know, I think that that really is like an ego question. Um, so I think that, um, what, uh, was it Diane was saying, just calling upon the company of heaven is great. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it, this is one thing that, uh, I find that some spiritual students, they, their ego can get engaged. So for me, I, I'm interested in working with the sacred rays and the company of heaven. So just like if I go to the Reiki healer, I, I know what her name is and I, I have a sense of how she can help me. Uh, so uh, I, I know who Archangel Michael is, that Amethyst is, and, and Zadkiel, Arcturus and Victoria, that these people's uh, Master Saint Germain and Lady Portia, they're the, the key players in working with the Violet Flame. But you could also just say Violet Flame Masters and angels, you know, all beings who work with the Violet Flame. You could do it that way. I do it that way too. Um, I, I use all different, and I just, so I don't have some rule about it, you know, but I, I have seen spiritual students who will do something like, um, they'll say, Oh, don't, don't call on, uh, you know, Archangel Michael for that. No, no, you, you want to have Uriel. Archangel Uriel is going to help you with that. And it's like, I, I just, I can see how people's egos get engaged in what's right and what's wrong. And then I find that uh, there's, the, the openness is not there. But it's such a good question, Sheila. Yeah, I think a lot of time. whenever we're thinking about concern about doing it right or wrong, I think then the ego is engaged. And it's not that that's um, not helpful, but for me, I've learned when I'm thinking about right and wrong, I'm thinking with the, the ego thought system. Because 
if I'm just in my heart, then I'm just saying, Spirit, help me. You know, help me to see clearly through all this maze of emotion and upset and feeling and details. Help me see clearly. So I have the faculty already of divine vision that's been given to me. And I'm asking for help in seeing clearly with it. And I'm asking from an emotional space. And I'm asking from the space of great willingness. And I'm asking from that place of desire. So, um, but that's not how I pray. When I pray, I pray from the place of I'm knowing, I'm affirming, I'm declaring, I'm calling it into being, I'm activating it now. So I can see where these distinctions are fairly fine distinctions and could be confusing. So any questions that you, further questions you have about this, I think are really helpful. Liz? Um, yeah, I don't have a question. Um, I just want to say that, uh, you know, it, it for me, it doesn't really matter this angel or that angel or whatever, whatever. It matters my intention. And when my intention is pure in the desire of being lifted, then the angels come and do that. Then the heavenly hosts come and do that. And I, and I think um, our prayer needs to start with our intention. Yes, beautifully said. Jennifer, you keep getting softer and softer. Is that me on my end, technically? I, I don't know. Is it? Anyone you else have softer, You do get softer sometimes. I don't know if you're further away from the mic or... Yeah, I, I think it's probably my internet. Ah, okay. Yeah, I think my, I, I know that my internet here just goes in and out all day long. Can't hear you. Wow, yeah. It's my internet. Can't hear me? Can you move closer to the mic or, or whatever is the mic? Does that help you at all? Oh, yes. Yeah. Really? Okay. I don't feel comfortable standing this close <laughs> to the camera. We can go back a little bit further, just a little. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a huge difference, though. Yes, it does. Okay, maybe I'll just go grab a headset. You're good. No, you're good right there. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. Thank you for teaching me about that. Uh, and I also know my internet goes in and out <laughs> in these little waves of weirdness. Um, great. Anything else? I'm going to turn us towards our impersonal life, chapter nine. What's the name of it? Garden of Eden, Chapter 9. Okay. In this version, it's page 119. Whether or not you have gotten any clear grasp of what has just been stated, 
do not discard it as impossible of comprehension. For in every line is hidden a meaning that will more than replay for the study necessary to make it become clear. This message is to awaken you to a realization of what you are, to a realization of your real self. It is intended, oh, I'm just going to mute everybody out here. This gets, uh, I can hear the pages turning there. Uh, it is intended to make you once more conscious of me, your divine self, so conscious that never again will you be deceived by that other self, which you have imagined as being you and which so long has lured you on by feeding you with its unsatisfying sense pleasures, its mental dissipations and emotional delights. I think this, this is um, so valuable here to really, uh, we're going to really look at this, uh, this conscious awareness of when we're identified with this false self and when we're willing to identify with our real self. Before that can be, it will be necessary for you thoroughly to know that supposed other self, that self which you created by thinking it real and separate from me, and then kept alive by giving it the power thus to entice and deceive you. Yes, that self-created self, with its purely selfish pride and ambitions and imagined power, its love of life, of possessions, of being thought wise or good, but which self is merely your human personality, which was born only to die as a separate identity, and as such has no more reality or permanence than the leaf, the snow, or the cloud. So I was um, sharing recently uh, about going through a period where I really uh, was looking at who am I? This was a very useful time for me. Who am I? Am I this personality? Am I this creature I've constructed? Or am I something else? Am I eternal? And this is just like I've, I've used the analogy of the, the puppet that I have sewn together, right, for a particular purpose of expressing in a particular kind of way. And... Can I be happy and can I be comfortable not expressing through that personality in the same way? And that was the major turning for me to really see I am not my personality. And I, I started to really see how not just uh, myself, but many, many people are so identified with the personality that they say things like, well, my truth is I need this or I need that. You know, my worldview is this, 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 as though that's really valid, their worldview. But is their worldview 
valid. And what is valid, right? If, if, it's, it's, if it's a lens of falsehood and separation and denial of truth, do we wish to affirm it as something that we are going to respect and honor? Now, uh, we encounter people all the time, family members and friends and, and people in stores and, you know, all, all the places that we go who have particular ways of thinking and viewing the world. And it would be disrespectful to say to them, your worldview is a complete fabrication of your own making that really doesn't have any validity in truth. You're creating a false reality and you think it's real. That, that would be insane if we said that to someone who um, was saying that uh, they believed that, um, that it's a sin to have an abortion, right? That just wouldn't be helpful, wouldn't be useful in conversation. But what we can do as uh, spiritual students learning and growing is we can look for what is the effect when we take that kind of a position or an attitude or a stance where we're looking to validate our point of view, or even when we're looking to convince other people to understand our point of view and respect our point of view, right? Have you, have you ever had a conversation with a loved one that was difficult and challenging where you were trying to get them to honor and respect and um, participate in your point of view, where they were very resistant. Ron, can, can you share a little bit about that and help us to break this down? No, I mean, just in the past, I mean, my goodness, uh, you know, I was always someone that uh, wanted, wanted to be right. Uh, so my, uh, you know, I shared my point of view many times, not, not as a, uh, not in a way that, uh, particularly led the other person in front of me, a family member, whatever, to think that their point of view was just as valid or not. Um, but uh, definitely to, um, to, to convince them that my, my point of view is correct. So, again, I can't give you a, a – it's happened so many times, Jennifer, over the past. I, I'm not, a particular, sure. <laughs> particular example has not come to mind. <laughs> Sure, totally understandable. I could say the same thing. Anybody have a, a, a recent example that uh, we could look at? Well, I, I'll take that as, as great news that nobody's having these kinds of conversations with their loved ones where they're trying to convince anyone or someone's trying to convince them to see their perspective, their point of view in order to validate it. I have something that just wasn't a loved one. Would you share it? Yeah, so I have contractors tearing down the house next door. And I because of that, I'm having to, and I noticed that I'm upset because I was given permission like 20 years ago to put a frame around my berries 
on it's a little bit on their property but now i have to move it so now i'm focused on uh i have to move it whereas i had 20 years of free of free access to their property instead of focusing on that i'm focused on the uh i have to move it and so i i've been doing working on it and i i have the frame is too heavy for me to carry so it's sitting out there and so I went out there yesterday to look at it and they it's gone. They moved it. And so right before the class, I was, yeah, I was talking, I said, I have to go to class in a minute, but I, I was yelling. And so that was even more uh, energizing to me, right? It was like really stirring me up. And I really tried to show him that they were wrong because even though it was on their property, right? I wanted to prove to them that they should have contacted me and let me know because they knew I was moving my berries they should be doing something different than what they're doing and I'm I, even now I can hear my voice being raised <laughs> it's, I mean is that similar I'm just I just was trying to tell them that they're basically they should be doing it differently you know I, I mean yeah, it's such a great learning because we, we can all relate to that, right? People are laughing, smiling, and nodding. <laughs> we can all relate to that. And, you know, feeling violated and attacked and all of these things which were likely not intended. Um, and, you know, these, these are the, to me, I, I'd ra much rather have that happen than to have it be about um, my relationship with a loved one. Um, and the, or, or the healing of my body. I, I'm so happy when it's like outside my house, you know, like, oh, phew, it's outside my house. You know? <laughs> it's easier for me to look at that way. I, I find it doesn't stir me up emotionally uh, as much. And um, so to take it as a gift and uh, then going back to our conversation about asking, instead of uh, attacking there's the opportunity to ask for help you know here's the situation i've been so blessed for 20 years with this a wonderful opportunity it's been so great for me and um and now i need i could just use some help what would happen to my things and you know what would help look like you know because most people really if you ask them for help and you don't think they should do it or they have to do it or they owe it to you. Most people are like, yeah, I would love to help you. Most people. Well, this class is a blessing because I, I, I was, I was talking to him and I said, I have to go to class. And so it was a really big blessing for me because it gave me that time to kind of regroup and kind of calm down and, and see what, what was happening. And so, uh, so you helped me. You all helped me. Yeah. <laughs> you know you helped me, but you did. So here we are. We're in this time of resurrection, right? We're, we're speeding towards Easter and celebration of resurrection. And um, I had recommended to everybody that you take another look at the Aquarian Gospel of Jesus the Christ. If you hadn't looked at it before, look at it now. And you can, if you like, just focus on what, uh, what's in the, the life of Jesus regarding re resurrection. And we'll look at A Course in Miracles too, and his talking about resurrection. Um, 
And <clears throat> I also encourage you, uh, those of you who have uh, the seven sacred flames, to relook at the discourses in that um, chapter about the resurrection flame and uh, consider how you can begin to apply it more fully. So this is what, what, what he's saying here is that uh, before we can really rise up, we must recognize that we created this separate self. We built it brick by brick intentionally you know and we could say oh i didn't know what i was doing I, I didn't know that identifying with being a victim like someone was talking about in year one the other night that that was causing me such a problem when i was doing it before because it seemed to have benefits right when i felt like a victim and acted like a victim people would help me so it seemed you know beneficial for a time but now i'm it doesn't feel beneficial anymore i'd like to shift it but it's my identity Um, Ron, I was talking about the Aquarian Gospel of Jesus the Christ. The, it's in your book list. And we can, we can uh, talk about that for a second. Um, it should be in your bookstore. Has anybody read it yet? Deb's read it. Um, it's a book about the life of Jesus and how the book came is that this man, Levi, the book is a hundred years old, something like that. I don't have it right here with me right this second. Um, this man, Levi, he uh, is extremely intuitive and he learned how to read the Akashic Records. Anybody not know what the Akashic Records are? Would like me to talk about that for a moment? Just anybody? Okay. So um, the Akashic Records are, you can think of them like a, uh, a library in the cloud, okay? So you know how um, computers and cell phones and things like that have cloud technology where you know, the information rests on a server. Um, so you could think of the Akashic Records as a, a cloud technology where uh, it's, you can find the, your book of life that would include every, every single detail of every incarnation you've ever had. Every single detail of every incarnation you've ever had and your future trajectory as currently laid out, the options. So you know how in A Course in Miracles it says that the script has already been written. Well, it's written in the Akashic Records. That's my understanding of it. Anybody have a, a, any, anything to add to that about the Akashic Records? Has anybody done any work with the Akashic Records? I haven't done work myself consciously, I'll say, but the minister that I trained under could access the Akashic Records and did past life readings to help release you from karmic patterns that you were experiencing, and it was very helpful. It's, it's just everything you've ever said 
done thought is recorded in that place. And I did grab the book. It was copyrighted in 1907, so 110. Yeah. Thank you, Deb. Mm -hmm. So um, um, that's another question that you could, we could ask Venerable to talk about is working with the Akashic Records. I've, I've done some things with her where she would take us to, in a guided meditation, to um, work with the field of life, I would say, uh, years ago. And after the, the meditation, I said, do we go to the Akashic Records? And she said, yes, that's where we went. But she never called it the Akashic Records <clears throat> when she was doing the meditation. And um, so this man, Levi, he trained himself to read the Akashic Records as an intuitive. And he specifically trained himself to read the Akashic Records that applied to the human experience of Jesus the Christ. And uh, then he wrote this book as the gospel of Jesus's life. Um, so, you know, the, the four gospels, of course there are more gospels, but the four gospels that we know of, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were written, uh, I think the one that was written most recent to his death was written 32 years later. Now, if you think about what you were doing 32 years ago, all right, and now, if you were going to try and write it down in accurate detail, that would be tricky, wouldn't it? Be tricky. Especially if you'd been around people who were turning the water into wine. I just, I just don't know. But uh, making a little minister joke there. But um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, you know, I, we all have experiences where we can't, like if I said, quick, what did you have for breakfast? So you, it, most people would be like, um, oh, you know, right? You just take a moment. You need that. One time I couldn't even remember my own name. For realsies. No, for realsies. It was just like I was walking down the street with a friend, and we met a friend of his, and um, uh, his friend said, hey, I'm, I'm Dave. Nice to meet you. And I said, I'm sure my name will come back to me, but right now I just do not know what it is. And I was very startled that that happened. I could not remember my own name and I hadn't had any kind of drugs or drink at all. So life is strange. Life is strange. Um, can't always access the hard drive. So, so that's what Levi did was he trained himself to be able to read the Akashic records of Jesus the Christ to, to be at that vibratory level. And then he wrote it all down uh, as a, what feels to me like an extremely accurate portrayal of Jesus's life. And, and the main focus is the years, um, his adult years that we don't know about. Where did he go? Who did he talk to? What did he do? And it's quite interesting. And, um, you know, it's not interesting just in inf informationally because information isn't that helpful, as we all know by now. But what is interesting is the things that he's purported to have said 
and done uh, and how he learned what he learned. How did he come to that Christ realization? And uh, I think it's extremely useful, particularly when you pair it with the understanding in A Course in Miracles, in the books that we've been reading, um, uh, In Personal Life, and um, Pathway of Roses, all, all these books that we've been reading. It's, it's a wonderful teacher. And um, there are many things that I've read in that book that truly, truly touched me deeply. For instance, uh, one of them is talking about why do we have this human experience? Why would we choose this human experience in the way that it is? Why would we ever, ever do this? And it talks about how uh, when you plant a seed of any kind of a plant, right? When you plant a seed, you plant it in darkness, right? You plant it in the dirt and it, it germinates in the dark, and it is naturally designed to grow towards the light. And that's how we are. We are planted in the darkness of this world of density so that we can activate that inner energy to grow to the light. And that's why we come to have this human experience, so that we can have the journey of growing to the light. And if you think about things like, why would someone, um, there's that TV show, I've never seen it, but I think it's called something like Naked and Afraid. Has anybody ever seen that? No? Hmm. Sheila's seen it. Ron's seen it. Sheila, can you talk now? Can we hear you? Did you reboot? No. Don't know what's going on there. Yeah, you're not supposed to talk. Ron, you've seen it? <clears throat> I think so. Is it, the, is it the survival? They drop them off and they have to survive? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I've seen one or two episodes. All right. So what's the gist of it? What, why would people do that? Aside from people will do anything to be on TV. Why? Uh, yeah. Um, some, I think some, for some people it takes a certain level of thrill for them to, uh, to, to really experience or enjoy life. They have to kind of eat up the ante. I think others just feel like they have something to prove to themselves um, uh, about it. And then some of them is just it's competitiveness and also wanting to be on, on camera. Yeah, exactly. So when I was in my 20s, I was a runner. And I ran, uh, I trained two years uh, uh, in a row for the New York Marathon, where I was out running practice runs of 15, 16, 17, 18, 20 miles, practice runs, okay? And uh, why was I doing that? I was doing it to prove to myself something, that I had this ability, that I could control my mind to do something that was really difficult and that I could also control my body and train my body. So there was a sense of accomplishing in that. And um, so this is the thing is we, we've, we've been granted permission to be planted in the soil of this human experience to grow to the light. 
And uh, I found that, that that description just touched my heart so, so much. And then also in the Aquarian Gospel, there is a um, rather amazing whole long description of his um, resurrection and ascension. Uh, but there's also a lot of insight into his growth and experience uh, as a, becoming a spiritual teacher and how that all unfolded. So you, you may find that very interesting. And I think that in this time of Lent, this time of um, moving towards Easter, Passover, it's a great time to read the Aquarian Gospel. So... All right. Any other questions about Aquarian Gospel? So going back here, I'm just going to start back towards the beginning uh, in the first paragraph. In every line is hidden a meaning. Every line of this book is hidden a meaning that will more than repay you for the study necessary to make it become clear. That's a big, bold promise there. This message is to awaken you to a realization of what you are, to a realization of your real self. It is intended to make you once more conscious of me, your divine self. So conscious of your divine self that never again will you be deceived by the ego self, which you have imagined as being you and which so long has lured you on by feeding you with its unsatisfying sense pleasures, its mental dissipations, and emotional delights. Before that can be, so before the, the conscious realization of you as your design, divine self, it will be necessary for you thoroughly to know that ego self that self which you created by thinking it real and separate from me, and then kept the ego self alive by keeping it, by giving it the power thus to entice and deceive you. So we gave the ego the power to entice and deceive us. Yes, that self-created self with its purely selfish pride and ambitions and imagined power its love of life, of possessions, of being thought wise or good. And I would add to that of being thought bad and wrong too. But which self is merely your human personality, which was born only to die as a separate identity. And as such has no more reality or permanence than the leaf, the snow, or the cloud. Yes, you will be brought face to face with that petty personal self and will see the, with perfect vision all its sordid selfishness and human vanities. And you will then learn, if you will but turn to me and ask in simple faith and trust, that it is I, the infinite, impersonal part of you, abiding always within, who am thus pointing out to you all these illusions of the personality which for so many ages have separated you in consciousness from me, your glorious divine self. This realization will surely come when you can recognize that this message is from me and when you have determined that it shall be. 
to you whom I have inspired with such a determination, I will cause every illusion in time to disappear and you shall in truth know me. So what I have found in my personal work with this concept, if you will, or this truth, you know, sometimes we have to say it's a concept before we can accept it as truth. Uh, what I have learned is it has really um, required my great willingness to let go of the opinions and judgments on so many levels that we don't even think that they're opinions and judgments. So just like the, the opinion that this is wrong or that's bad, really, really getting rid of these thoughts all together and just saying, I don't know. I do not know. But I can say this feels good. This doesn't feel good. And allowing ourselves to be led and guided through that, that experience of asking, truly asking for divine assistance and clarity and to to look at for instance the like carla's example is a perfect one with the berries and the box the right that the attachment to it well what if the very best thing for her we don't know i'm, I'm not even suggesting that i know but what if the best thing for her is to to just not have those berries anymore right maybe who knows you know, my computer has been malfunctioning for two weeks. I can't tell you how many hours I have invested in trying to get it to, to work right again. But there's something about this process that's perfect for me and letting go ego attachment to my computer, which is such an integral part of my work. So we're constantly looking for all the ego identifications by simply really, really, truly identifying with the higher self and being asked for that divine vision, right? So this is a lot of what the early lessons in the workbook, my poor book is falling apart. I need to find a, a book binder to help me. Right? Lesson 20, I am determined to see. And in that lesson 20, I am determined to see uh, paragraph three, and this is really what it's saying in um, what we're, oh, my phone's ringing. Um, your, so paragraph three, your decision to see is all that vision requires. What you want is yours. So what do we want? We, of course, miracles use the word want. It doesn't use the word desire. Uh, it uses the word want. What do we want? We, we desire to truly know ourselves, to be free of this false self. That's truly what we desire. So what you desire is yours. That freedom, that perfection, that purity, it's already ours. Do not mistake the little effort that is asked of you for an indication that our goal is of little worth. So this is one of the most amazing things about A Course in Miracles is it says, all you have to do is be willing. And you can't actually do any more. That's it. That's all you can do. 
but that doesn't mean the goal is of little worth. Can the salvation of the world be a trivial purpose? And can the world be saved if you are not? God has one son. And that son is the resurrection and the life. The son's will is done because all power is given him in heaven and on earth. In your determined see is vision given you. So again, it comes back to our decision, our desire, our willingness. Again and again, it comes back. And for me, one of the great parts of my spiritual practice all the time is to look at what is it I'm really desiring, you know? So uh, I have experiences like Carla where things don't seem to be going the way I would like. And um, I was talking with a friend, a prayer partner recently, and gosh, I can't think of. Oh, I know. I was talking about my computer stuff. And I was saying how I had such a realization that uh, I've just how I used to be. Like I had a memory of how I used to be. So I had all these issues with Apple, multiple phone calls and went to the store and, um, and they're keeping my computer for days and things like this. Okay. And, um, and wonderful things are happening too. They're like, we're going to give you this. We're going to give you that. We're going to do that and upgrade this and like, okay, great. So it's a whole big mixed bag, right. Of things that I, uh, that are taking my time and energy where there seems to be benefits and there seems to be waste, okay, according to my personality. And so I said what I realized was that it, when I was so identified with the, the person who was in lack and limitation, even if they were giving me this and giving me that, I would have been so focused on what I didn't like that I would be I literally would have been attacking them and saying, you know, you did this to me and you did that to me and then you did this to me and you did that to me. And they'd be saying, okay, yeah, so we're, we're trying to make up for it by giving you these things. And I'm like, those things don't matter because I didn't ask for them. I don't want them, you know? And they're like, but they'll help you. And it's like, but that doesn't matter because this is what you've done to me. You know, I would be so focused on what you did to me and the way you hurt me and mistreated me because that was my worldview. That was my worldview that I had to fight for everything. I had to fight for respect. I had to fight for good treatment that it wouldn't happen unless I fought for it. And so uh, in, in my experience uh, with Apple this time, it's like, okay, I'm just on a journey. I don't know what anything is for. It seems like, well, this seems pretty tedious to spend a couple of hours doing, dragging these files back and forth. And, and uh, okay, sure, we can wipe the hard drive again. Sure, we can wipe, wipe it again and again and again until we get it right, you know. Sure, I can, you know, do that all again. And, yeah, sure, can do that. And it's like, I just don't know what anything is for. You know, and there are times when I think, hmm, Am I doing what, <laughs> am I taking good care of myself and going along in this process? And that I, my, my guidance is, yep, just keep going with the process. There's something you're learning here. Just keep it going and see how it all ends up. Okay, I don't know. 
I don't know. So we'll see. And it's about, for me, it's about can I just really completely surrender to even to uh, a process where I'm just, I'm not in control of it and trust that only spirit is leading and guiding me and everyone else involved because I don't, I don't feel anyone's trying to hurt me or take advantage of me. I do feel everyone's trying to help me. And I'm grateful to be able to see uh, the energetic difference between how I would have experienced it before and how I experience it now. What I have found in my life journey is that I... I don't really remember well how unhappy I used to be. I can remember it as a concept, but I can't actually remember how it feels anymore. I remember that I felt suicidal. I remember that I felt so angry. I felt so sad, but remembering really what that feels like, I just don't have that anymore, which I'm grateful for. So this kind of experience is, is helpful to me in just remembering, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I used to have such a different world view. So it says, now we're on page 112 here, the exercise of your mind along these abstract lines will not hurt you. Instead, it is what your mind needs, right? This, this is why the workbook is so helpful to us, the Course in Miracles workbook. For not until you can grasp my meaning when presented to you in ideas such as these herein contained, coming from without, can you perceive and correctly interpret my idea when I inspire you from within. So we need to be able to understand the, the meaning. We need to be able to, to know it, to, to feel it, to get this, uh, this wisdom, which is so different than our worldview, right? This, this, the, 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 it is so different from the worldview. Uh, and and it's, I don't think it's in conflict with A Course in Miracles, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not so clear in A Course in Miracles that, uh, I just say that the only will there is is God's will. Uh, but a lot of people make the meaning that the ego is separate from God in some way. It's a, it, yes, it's a different thought system, but it's still serving God because God's all there is. What else could it serve? Right? It wouldn't exist if it didn't have a purpose. How, how could it come into existence? You know, or um, and of course, the course would say it's not real, but it's still part of our experience. We wouldn't be part of our experience if it wasn't helpful. It just wouldn't be. It couldn't be. There's no way, and that's one of the hardest things for us to grasp, is that it. While it's a meaningless journey because it's not eternal, it's not real. It's still incredibly valuable and helpful. That, that experience of being the seed, germinating and growing to the light is something that we have a great desire for. But then it's so intensely challenging and uh, 
we feel so lost in it at times that we think it was a huge mistake. A huge mistake. Stop the world, I want to get off. Versus, instead of stop the world, I want to get off, stop my mind spinning and the ego thought system, I'd like to get back to my real thoughts, right? And to that determination to see. Following me? Yeah. So, your mind, I am thus preparing for use, not to gain more earthly knowledge, but in order that you can receive and give forth my heavenly knowledge to those whom I shall bring to you for that purpose. So we're being trained to be what A Course in Miracles would say, a teacher of God. With a prayer to me, your own real self, your Father in heaven, that true realization may come. Read carefully what follows. We have arrived in the course of our consideration of the process of unfoldment of my idea to where the I am of you manifesting in your immortal soul body or in the thought image created by my thinking is now ready to take on a substantial form, a form suitable for the earth expression of my attributes. This change from a mental to a mortal form took place after the matter and process of all thinking and creating I'm sorry manner this change from a mental to a mortal form took place after the manner and process of all thinking and creating and is literally described in the Bible where it says I formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul shall I explain further that the quickening power within my idea, your soul, proceeded to attract to it the various elements of life substance, dust, and atom by atom, and cell by cell, in due course of time, to mold and shape into substantial reality after the pattern of the thought image composing your soul body, thus forming an earthly outer covering, as it were, until finally your mortal form actually became manifest to the psychic sense, if not yet to what is called the physical sense, whereupon, all being now prepared for this cyclic moment, you, my attribute, breathed into and then through its nostrils from within the breath of life. And you then made your first appearance on earth as a human being, a living soul. My idea now able to express consciously through a suitable earth medium, containing within yourself all my attributes, all of my powers, and all of my possibilities. Thus were now manifest all the various mediums for the earth expression of my idea. And you, being one of my attributes, naturally had dominion over all these mediums or possessed the power of utilizing any or all of them, if necessary, for the full and complete expression of your, my attributes, powers, and possibilities. In this manner, and for this reason alone, did you and your brothers and sisters come into human expression. 
while in human form, yet your expression was so entirely impersonal that through self-conscious, though self-conscious, you still looked holy to me within for inspiration and guidance. This then was the first condition into which you awakened when you entered into earth expression and is what is called the an, it, Edenic state or dwelling in the Garden of Eden. This Edenic state, Edenic I don't know how you pronounce that word. State represents the celestial phase of impersonal consciousness or that state in which you were still consciously one with me, though now confined in a mortal medium of expression. So I'm going to, I'm going to pause us there. And I'm inviting you uh, to, to focus in these, um, days of the time of the resurrection to use that statement that Jesus says he used uh, in, in, and that he is telling us we are that we're the resurrection and the life. I am is the resurrection and the life. I am the res resurrection and the life. So it's not that Jennifer is the resurrection and the life. It's the I am of me is the resurrection and the life of me. So it's, I have found it extremely helpful to use the uh, resurrection affirmations that are in the Seven Sacred Flames book. And I encourage you to work with them on a daily basis. And what I've learned about working with the resurrection flame is you build momentum if you do it every day. And, um, and now is the time. Now is really the time. And... It's I am the resurrection and the life. Also, you can use it for anything that you'd like to resurrect. So I am the resurrection and the life of my perfect eyesight. I am the resurrection and the life of my perfect hearing. I am the resurrection and the life of all my relationships. I am the resurrection and the life of my business. I am the resurrection and the life of my garden. Mm -hmm. I am the resurrection and the life of my berry patch. <laughs> Liz says, I've been saying this of my business and my business keeps expanding. Totally think this is an awesome tool. Yeah, I've definitely used it with my ministry. And I've had so much healing in relationships using it. Uh, one of the ways that I've done it is uh, when uh, working specifically with relationships is I'll say I'm the uh, resurrection in the life of all my relationships. And I'll focus on one person's face while I'm saying it. And uh, remember that every relationship we have with another person in any way, shape, or form, we are having a relationship with ourselves. So by saying I am is the resurrection and the life of my relationship, we're really inviting the Holy Spirit, which is the I am presence, the guardian angel, it's all of that, to, um, to resurrect to the divine blueprint, the perfection. 
And see, this is the thing that uh, I know many, many folks have. And if you have this experience, let me know. Um, many folks in the past have told me, Jennifer, I can't tell you how uncomfortable I feel saying I am the resurrection in the life about things in my life. Has anybody felt that uh, uncomfortableness? Uh, I did it first, definitely. Um, but the more you do it and also uh, praying before, I mean, you know, setting myself again, my intention before I start saying I am the resurrection in the life of my business, I'm the resurrection in the life of my family or whatever, um, you know, setting that intention first helps me now i don't have any trouble with it i don't have any trouble with it and what i teach our teens um at my church is that um i am is your god name and you need to watch how you use it because you know kids will be saying all the time ah i i, I am so pissed off i am you know so upset with my boyfriend i am and I'm like let's watch how we're using our god name because that's what i am is beautiful yeah yeah exactly so, um, who else was saying they felt comfortable, uncomfortable? You saying I am the resurrection and the life. So, Carla and Elena, Elena, you want to share anything about that? Or just that's enough. Okay. Nothing particular, but just uncomfortable. I probably don't use them so often. Actually, quite new for me, and um, I would like to try. Yeah. yeah because I had a wonderful experience with Simon M statements, using them directed to my career and then so yeah. I would like to try this now yes there's a divine blueprint there really is a divine blueprint that we have laid out and when we're we're identified with the ego we'll get waylaid uh, for uh, what the ego's purposes are which are not holy purposes and we forget that there is this divine blueprint that we can align with. And by giving the power back to the I am presence, it's really what it says. And of course, Merkel's saying, you decide for me, you lead me, you guide me. Then what's happening is we're, we're basically giving the I am presence the permission through invoking the, the resurrection flame and I am the resurrection and the life. We're giving the I am presence that permission. You can't hear me? Uh, that you're giving the permission to the I am presence to reboot and to clear away. And it's the same thing as that prayer at the end of chapter five, where you're giving all the consequences of the wrong decision to the Holy Spirit for healing. It's the same thing, really, in my understanding, in my experience, in my, um, yeah, I think experience is the best word there. Any thoughts or questions? Anybody like to share anything before we close it out here? Elena? Yeah, I have a question. No, sorry, question. Just, um, yeah, I, when I invoke the violet flame and I work with Rand, we have prayer partners, and he said he's just uh, invoking also the resurrection flame, which was really new for me. And I, um, not sure if somebody did it and had the same experience, but I have it's different. Um, it's a different kind of energy. You know, when you invoke them, I, I mean, I can't explain it in words. It's just 
have different feeling. And then I was, so, I found it so interesting and so like refreshing. So I started to try with other, all other flames, not all of them, but you know, and I tried the green flame, this uh, healing flame. And it was also a different kind of experience. Uh, so did maybe somebody else have felt this or it's, or maybe I just build it. No, I, I, I feel that each one has its own unique energies. Yes, definitely. And um, I encourage you to work with the one of the day and or um, you, to me, you can, I have found that I have no problem combining the violet flame with all other flames. Um, and also the same with the resurrection flame. So I can combine violet yeah. flame and the resurrection flame and resurrection flame and the healing. Yeah, and the violet flame naturally has in it the rose pink ray and the blue ray. So, and Wednesdays, our day of class is the day of the emerald ray. So, the day of healing. Yeah. And, and uh, when you think of each day in the ray, see, I'm wearing green. I didn't even uh, really consciously say I'm going to wear green, but I just said, well, what, what do I wear today? And here I am wearing green. Um, I, I do think that it, it can, I used to do this very consciously is wear the color of the day and focus the energy on that property that day. And then every day is a great day. What day? I mean, Monday's a wonderful day, right? It's the day of the blue ray. So Aligning with divine will. All right. Well, let us pray. So grateful and so thankful to open our hearts and minds to dynamic love, infinite possibility, true healing, the wisdom and the clarity, the freedom. We are claiming it all. We're consciously attuning to the higher Holy Spirit self. We are grateful and thankful to let go of all limiting thoughts and beliefs. We are grateful and thankful to allow ourselves the freedom to resurrect to our true identity. We're letting go of all false identification and standing in the real, standing in the now, being of service. We're stepping into that awareness of the teacher of God, knowing that we have already been given everything that we need. We are grateful and thankful to join together to express it and to be it. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we allow the healing to be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Mwah. Love you all. Be well. Thank you. Bye for now. <laughs>